So Jeff, you and I like have both been, I would say it's probably accurate to say longtime Mary Chapin Carpenter fans. And I don't know how much, how much did you pay attention to the songs from home thing that she was doing during the pandemic, like that ongoing, like video series on Instagram. I didn't watch any of it. I really tend not to. Yeah. I, you know, during lockdown, I did watch a couple of things. Like I bought tickets. I bought a ticket, I guess for, uh, um, there was a thing that Lyle Lovett did with, uh, I think he did it with a few different artists, but I I watched the one with Michael McDonald. I liked that. I think there were a couple other shows that I checked out, but generally I don't have a lot of patience for the, the online video. So uh, I think I was sort of dimly aware that she was doing that. Yeah. Like a number of other artists, but I didn't watch any of them. I was very bummed that I missed the Lyle Lovett, Michael McDonald thing. And he did a few of those that I would have been interested in. And I managed, like, after you told me about the Lyle, after you told me the one, uh, after you told me about the one with McDonald, I like yeah. made a note because I looked and he was doing something else with somebody else that I dug and I completely missed it. So <laughs> I think that was, that's not unique. I think a lot of folks had best intentions on you know, we've got all this free time during the pandemic. We're going to watch a bunch of stuff and our favorite mm-hmm. artists are doing a lot of cool stuff. And at the end of the day, like depending on the day, uh, it was sometimes just enough just to get through the day. So I, mm-hmm. absolutely. So, but I, I really enjoyed the whole songs from home thing. Um, there's a couple things that I've, the, the other person that did something along these lines was that um, like, Mike Campbell, you know, started this actually started when he was touring Fleetwood Mac. He started doing like these what he what he was calling like bathroom sessions where it's like he would play different songs while he was on the road and it seemed like he really kind of ramped up the um pandemic videos that he was doing on Instagram. And so I realized like looking back at his feed within the past uh couple days very similar to Mary Chapin Carpenter. Um I watched a few of the things from Mike Campbell and then now he's done about 200 of them since then that I haven't watched any of them. But that's kind of how it was with Mary Chapin Carpenter was that like this songs from home thing. What I really enjoyed about it was that um, it just felt like it was just her sitting in her living room, her sitting in her kitchen or whatever. And you could tell the whole thing was really home brewed from the start. And I just appreciated the fact that she was, um, I knew that there was some sort of like mental health benefit there that like she was one of those type of artists where it's just like it made her feel good to switch on the camera, you know, once at once a day or once every couple days um, and shoot a song out to the universe. And so she did this book where she kind of collected all of the entries or a lot of them from the Songs from Home series. And it's simply called Mary Chapin Carpenter Songs from Home. Um, unfortunately, it looks like it was just a short run on her website. I missed out on the first run, um, as you and I were discussing before this. I think maybe the first run was like 100 books. I got in on the second run. Um, but it's pretty cool because I think there's 58 entries here total um, collected from all the ones that, that she did. And it's got the lyrics for each one of those, plus the kind of original entry, you know, whatever she said prior to playing the song. Um so I think for anybody, I don't think it's very likely that Mary Chaper, I don't think it's very likely that Mary Chapin Carpenter would have gotten a lyrics type book otherwise. So for folks like us that are hardcore fans, this is kind of a cool thing to be able to have a curated 
what she maybe perhaps considers the best of what she's done over the past 30 plus years, all collected and rolled up into one book. So, and I really enjoyed in the intro, a look into the process, which kind of um, really did um, reveal that it was just as homebrewed as you would think it would be watching these entries. Um, Because she said she saw all of her fellow peers starting to do stuff like this. And, all she had all she had was her phone that was it so she says here's what i learned with a car phone cradle and some duct tape one can repurpose an old vase and create a phone <laughs> holder and mic stand all in one precariously raised up on a ladder on top of a pile of books presto a home studio i love it you know so like for what you and i are into like just like going and doing it and like the technology and other things will just figure itself out later. I like that she basically was like, look, I have this in my heart and my soul. I don't have a studio. How can I get this out to people? So, and I think you saw this part of things, but like she does these for a period of time. And ultimately it culminates in a thing where she finds herself at an empty wolf trap um, doing this live stream that ends up being called One Night Lonely. And that was one of the things that I tuned in for. Um, And she says, I never imagined that I'd be on stage by myself for two plus hours, let alone more than a song or two, playing to a completely empty house. By the end of the evening, my fingers were frozen. I could see my breath with the final song lyrics, but I was giddy from the adventure of it all. It was as if I had met my 18-year-old self again, she with a backpack full of songs and a guitar case in the wings. You know, and that's why I love Mary Chapin Carpenter right there, full stop. Very poetic. I also love that this is a recommendation from you that is also a flex because people can't get it. You have something that everybody listening cannot get. And so you are, <laughs> you're talking it up at the same time that you are letting people know that uh, you have it and they don't. Here's where it's not a flex. Um, Where it's not a flex is that you can buy that entire One Night Lonely show, which I think is uh, a pretty cool journey through her catalog because um, you can kind of – let's face it. Artists during the pandemic found themselves in a weird space where it's like they're doing these things they'd never done before. In her case – she was standing on stage at Wolf Trap where she had played, you know, a number of times to a full house and there is no full house. And you could kind of see her in those early moments, kind of like just working out, like, how am I going to interact with the audience that like, I don't know, you know, like she was, she was playing to a bunch of faceless ghosts. And I kind of dug what kind of unfolded as she was kind of visually figuring that on on stage. So um, but as far as the book, you know, ultimately, I think you're not holding much more in the book than what is already online on YouTube from the original broadcasts. So well, that's now this where- isn't very much of an endorsement at all, Matt. Now you're just <laughs> saying the book is just an empty piece of product. What is it? Which which way are you going here? I know it's confusing. I'm trying to flesh it out here, but I guess my overall <laughs> point is that um, 
unlike some things where it's like an artist will put something like this out and then like say pull all the original content o- offline, what this immediately made me want to do was, you know, if there's 58 entries here in the book and let's say, you know, 60, 65 uh, total entries overall in the series, I only watched a handful of them. So this made me want to go on to YouTube, make a playlist and just kind of take the ride. So I think that's right. my ultimate purpose here for mentioning this book is that um, more than anything, it brought me back to uh, just how cool this thing was that she did during the pandemic. And I think that there's some folks that if they missed it and didn't watch any of them um, and you have been a fan for a long time, um, I really appreciate kind of her, you know, song choices throughout the thing. Um, and it's just kind of a cool, you know, trip through her overall career. So I like any reminder that her stuff is out there because she kind of does one thing. Mm-hmm. She does it really well, but she does one thing and she's very consistent at it. Yeah. And so it's easy for me to forget that she's there. Hmm. You know, uh, I tend to seek her music out when I'm in a particular mood. Yeah. Um, but uh, every time I do, I find myself wishing that I listen to it more often than I do. So this is a, maybe I'll do that this afternoon. Thank you. Yeah. I think I almost find myself listening to her music. Like if I'm in a more melancholy you know, state of mind, I'll pull out one of her records. She makes melancholy sound good, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah. And, and then I think the other thing from my side of things that, uh, you know, I, I mean, some of those sections that I read to you, like from the book, I mean, they've, they might seem pretty basic, but man, I read them, and I'm such a I'm such a sap that I read them, and I started tear, tearing up. <laughs> so, so, so I don't know, you know, I I, I appreciate uh, I appreciate her taking the time to like really kind of you know open up and share the science of what went into that because right. I mean it's kind of exactly what I would have assumed, but pretty cool, pretty cool stuff. And the other thing I um, watched this week was uh, a movie that. I mentioned this to you. It's a movie called Before I Go. It's on Amazon Prime um, with Annabella Scuara and Robert Klein and um, Willie Garson. And I tried a couple times, could not get into the actual movie itself. <laughs> but as I sent you a picture, um, is it is it Rumi? Is that how you say that? Oh, Are yes, you M I? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So there is a poem from Rumi that scrolls at the beginning of the film. That I mean, I just stopped it straight away and took a screenshot. And it's called The Guest House. And I'm just going to read it here. This being human is a guest house. Every morning is a new arrival, a joy, a depression, a meanness. Some momentary awareness comes as an unexpected visitor. Welcome and entertain them all, even if they are a crowd of sorrows who violently sweep your house empty of its furniture. Still, treat each guest honorably. He may be clearing you out for some new delight. Um, The dark thought, the shame, the malice. Meet them at the door laughing and invite them in. Be grateful for whoever comes because each has been sent as a guide from beyond. So, again, as a sap and a person that, like, kind of gets down in the thoughts a lot, that, like, hit me in a lot of places. And uh, as you said, like, I think when we were talking about this, as soon as you saw that that poem, like you went out and you you know you sought out like additional stuff from Rumi, you know. So, I've been following a Rumi Twitter account for years. It's uh, one of the very best follows, I think. Um, yeah. Nothing but uh, nothing but poetic and profound. It does remind me a little bit of 
uh, our friend Jason's mother, because that is the, uh, she lives similarly, you know, welcome everybody in. Hmm. They, they, I thought I was going to have to cut a big part out of the podcast here. <laughs> welcome oh. everyone in. They could be clearing you out for a, a new delight. I think that's her, uh, that that's, that's the way she approaches, uh, her, her life and her, um, the, their oldest profession. See, I love that. And I think you see that in, in the quality human, uh, that, uh, that Jason himself is. That's about the only thing nice that I'll say about, about Jason here for the year. (laughs) What have you been enjoying on your side of things? Oh man, this has been, uh, uh, very very busy week um but uh i have been participating in nwe on yeah. twitter M- music writing exercise it's an annual thing it was started i don't know how many years ago by a music critic named gary suarez uh i i participated last year for the first time and, mm-hmm. and had such a good time doing it that i decided i was going to do it again and uh it's you know, weeks like this, when when things are moving fast and there's a lot to do, it's it's a challenge to stick with it. To to stick with it, the 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 rules are: every day in February, you listen to an album that you've never heard before, and then you tweet about it. Which, um, yeah, obviously not as difficult as uh, coal mining or 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 uh, you know, laying railroad tracks, but. Uh, it takes, you know, you gotta, you gotta carve out some time to do some active listening and then take all the thoughts that you have and try to distill them into a tweet. Um, it's, it's, there's a reason that it's called an exercise, but I, I, I've been getting a lot out of it. So, um, that, those records are ones that's, that's mostly what I've been listening to. And again, it's been such a hectic week that I could not tell you everything that I listened to this week. I can tell you that today I listened to the new Eddie Vedder record. And I was very pleasantly surprised. I am not, by nature, an Eddie Vedder fan, nor am I a Pearl Jam fan. Uh, my expectations were very low. I only sought it out because uh, I was reminded that Stevie Wonder makes a guest appearance, which yeah. struck me as just delightfully bonkers, and I had to check it out. And um, it's it's a much more melodic set than i would have expected from him it's much more Hmm. um sonically varied and colorful than i would have expected from him and there are a couple of moments that he just sounds like he's doing kind of whatever he wants which i respect you know having stevie wonder guest on a track uh a very very up-tempo track but but stevie's playing the the fastest harmonica that i think i i can't remember the last time i heard him play like this and then that's cool there's yeah it's really cool and then there's a duet with elton john that is kind of similar you know he drags Elton out of the 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 ballady little hidey hole that he's spent the last (laughs) you know several decades in it's it's nice their voices don't really go together but whatever you know it's 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 a fun record i I know you said you were going to check it out later today i'll be curious to get your thoughts i think eddie like i've really been looking forward to this record i think eddie and i i am a big pearl jam fan i think eddie is uh always more than a lot of people give him credit for um Mm. i don't i don't know that he does himself favors like say for instance you know lashing out at motley Crue the way he did like i i found that a little bit interesting and out of context from what i would usually expect from him but what i love about like you just 
what you said there about the Elton and the Stevie thing, I think one thing that kind of always stays constant with um, Eddie and with Pearl Jam is that, and you see this in their in their set lists and the way they just kind of interact and are out there, they're music fans. And mm. um, so Eddie's a guy that like, if I see him, like say, inviting Sleet or Kenny for a collaboration, or in this case, Elton John, Stevie Wonder, um, I know that he is a guy that's bringing those two people in as a fan um, that I would also guess that he has very specific intentions of how he'd like for them to show up on his record to the point of what you just said, because, you know, you mentioned that the the zone that Elton has been in for a bunch of decades, you know, you talk about Stevie Wonder playing the fastest harmonica you've heard him play in a long time. Last time I heard anybody say anything about Stevie Wonder, it was in a disparaging way. Um, actually, I think it was Daryl Hall, if we want to get specific <laughs> about things. Um, uh, you know, it, it was disparaging comments that like basically just made it seem like Stevie was not what he once was. So it's mm. like, I love hearing that from you, that in fact, um, and, and as a music fan, that's what I always love is just like, showing up for every record. Um, in this case, I mean, Stevie is just, you know, a cameo player on the record, but I love the thrill and the excitement of the possibility that Stevie Wonder might show up and knock everybody on their ass <laughs> long past the point where they were expecting it. So that yeah. really, I really dig, dig hearing that. Uh, you know, one of the last times that Pearl Jam was in Boston, they brought out, uh, I think, uh, Tom Hamilton to play on, you know, Aerosmith's Draw the Line. Like, so it's just like, you know, they're always like bringing these folks out. And, and that's a little bit more obvious. It's it's pretty obvious, I guess, to have Tom Hamilton out of all the Aerosmith songs you're going to pick. Maybe Draw the Line is not the deepest cut. But it's like, I think that that's what I like about those guys is that typically they are deep cut guys that if they're going to reach out to Stevie Wonder um, uh, or, 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 you know, whoever, um, Roger Daltrey, it's like they're not going to bring him in just to do – they're not going to bring that person in just to do, do the usual thing. They usually have some sort of like fun thing. It's a little bit like Elton John. Like it reminds me a little bit of um, – Allison Chains brought him in about 10 years back or so to play on their Black Gives Away to Blue record. Um, I think they just brought him in to play piano on a track, you know, but it's just like the, the song that they had in mind. Like that's what they heard on the song, and I respect that they were – hearing that and going, you know what, like, you know, what would be really cool is I'm sure he won't do it, but it'd be cool if Elton John would come in and play Elton John type of piano on this track, you know, like, and, and, um, Mike Campbell, this new record that he's got coming out with the dirty knobs, like he's got, you know, Ian Hunter, you know, playing on a track and, uh, Ian, uh, you know, basically reached out to Mike, I guess, and said, you know, hey, man, you know, would you play on a few songs on my record? And in return, you know, Mike was like, yeah, man, I'd love to do that. Like, I got this new record tape taking shape, you know, would you play on a song for me? And, you know, so there is Ian Hunter singing on a verse, which is really cool. But the first thing that you hear is you hear that piano that much like if it's like, you know, Bruce Hornsby or Ian McLaughlin or, you know, whoever you want to name, like, there's nobody else, Ben Montench, there's nobody else that could be playing that piano on that song besides Ian Hunter. And I, I, I just, I still, I still totally get off on, on hearing moments like that on records. So 
hearing you tell me that, you know, yeah. about those two moments, you know, Stevie Wonder and Elton on this new Eddie Vedder record, I really can't, uh, I can't wait to listen to it. The other, the other thing I've heard is that, like, it's, it's, I don't know, more up tempo than than you would expect. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think in general, everything that I'm reading about this record, like he brought, he brought a lot more on this record than anybody was expecting from an Eddie Vedder solo record. So, definitely yeah, want to just- check out. I generally tend to find their music pretty boring. Um, mm. Not a lot of uh, dynamic to it. Um, but this record kind of covers a, an impressive amount of territory. And, and yeah, it, a lot of it is more up-tempo. Some songs are even um, anthemic. You know, it, it, it's, mm. uh, it really surprised me. I think you're going to like it a lot. I think it goes back to what you were saying about Mary Chapin Carpenter, how she does a certain thing. Like Pearl Jam yep. is definitely – um, they evolved over a period of records, you know, from where they started with 10 to versus to Vitology. Um, you know, they were kind of evolving record by record, but they definitely, I think, as a longtime fan that's that has heard all the records, they hit that point where it's like now they've kind of been in a certain safe space for a lot of records. Yeah. And if you like what they if you like what they do, that's great. Um, but what I respect about them is um one of the tools that they seem to go back to reliably in the toolbox of where they've wound up is just these kind of really deep introspective songs that like you'll hear a song from from them that you're like man you know what like that song may be just like this song four records back but it's like there's nobody better at doing a deep introspective song in that way than those guys um from that crop of you know from the whole Seattle crop slash alternative rock crop. Like they're, they're a band that has survived that whole era and gone decades past for, Mm -hmm. for a reason. Like they ultimately, they, they are, you know, music fans that are, you know, I still respect their ability to crank out like a good song. I don't know. That's it. Yeah. And the other thing that I was thinking of while you were talking is that as much as they tried to, um, remove themselves from the machine. Yeah. Early mm-hmm. on. Yep. Any act that, that lasts as long as they have, uh, I think with each tour, with each year, which with each new album, uh, you know, the ship gets bigger and harder yeah. to, to turn in different directions. And, and, uh, so for somebody like Eddie Vedder, the solo album ought to function as, uh, uh, a little detour, you know, like a, a little vacation, a chance to jump off that that big ass yacht and just <laughs> paddle around in a, in a in a kayak for a little bit. And I think that's what he did with um, his first solo record. You know, he was just like, oh, I'm going to grab a ukulele and, and cut some tunes, real low stakes stuff. And uh, with this one, it's I, I don't know how else to describe it besides other than the way that I already have, but I mean, it's obviously identifiably Eddie Vedder, but a different set of musical clothing. I don't know. Now I feel like I'm, I'm getting on the verge of overselling this album. No, 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 no. I don't think so. I have a question for you, but um, first of all, I'm glad you said ship because uh, that was what I was going to say is if you haven't heard a Pearl Jam song in the past 20 years, um, go to YouTube and, and just punch up love boat captain by Pearl Jam. It's got a silly title that like just makes you go, oh my God, what the fuck is this? But <laughs> man, that song, you know, I think that that song maybe came out when I was going through a breakup and it's just like, it just like, 
they they have a knack for writing a song that like uh, that 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 is there for you. You know, much like our much like our much loved uh, Jules Shear in an album like Dreams Don't Count. Um, that was a song. Love Boat Captain was a song that I heard, and I was like, so so they they always. With a song like that, they always have an ability to like come from behind and uh, you know surprise you, uh, you know when you least expect it. My question was, um, I know that Chad Smith from the Chili Peppers is the drummer on the tour. Is he on the record too? Do you know? You're asking me questions that I don't know the answer to. <laughs> <laughs> Did like because I know Mike Watt is involved to some extent. Oh no, really? Awesome. I think so yeah, <sighs> he's a guy I'd love to have on the podcast. He's well, He's another up. super awesome music fan. <laughs> he um quick side quick side thing on Mike Watt, and that just is that um when I was at the radio station in the nineties, he uh had put out that I think it's Ball Hog or Tugboat yeah. is the name of the album. Um right. but he was out on that tour where it's like he had Vetter with him on the tour, but Mike Watt came by the radio station to do an interview and this is the kind of cool guy that Mike Watt is. Mike Watt walked right out of doing the interview with the rock station and walked right next door to the sports talk station that was next door and went on and spent an hour just talking sports with the guys that were on the air there at the radio station. Spontaneous. Just like walked in, like was like, wait, is that a sports talk station? You know, can I come on the air with you guys? And just like went on. And so it's just a super cool dude. So that makes me happy. I hadn't heard that Mike Watt was on the record. So I'll be, I'll be excited to check that out. I cannot tell you uh, for certain that he was that he's on it. I know. I, I think I've read that he had a heavy influence on the way it came together, at the very least. Okay. So anyway. all right. So that's only a partial big lie. Then I like it. Uh, <laughs> the only other thing that I can recommend this week, and it's gonna, it, it's uh, a little bit of foreshadowing for the show, is uh, a book that I've been reading, which is called Tacky. Mm. I think you know the book that I'm talking about. I do. Right? It's it's tacky love letters to the worst culture we have to offer. <laughs> and if you know me at all, you know that a title like that is just red meat. I saw it and yep. I was immediately intrigued. It's by an author named Rax King. And yep. it's um, kind of a cultural memoir of sorts. Uh, each, each, uh, each little vignette is kind of nominally focused on some – piece of low culture whether it's uh creed or mm. hot topic the, the or, creed chapter is great by the way oh yeah yeah um but all these things are tied into rax's life and, yeah. and stories from her life that are really uh, raw and intimate and, and very funny and um just compulsively readable so that's what i've been making my way through for the last week uh and and uh if if you're intrigued by this well, just just you wait because we're going to be talking more about the book and and the author and some of her favorite music in the weeks to come. How did you come across her? I haven't asked you that. <laughs> I don't know. There was a she tweeted something that burped up in my algorithm somehow. I had seen the book cover uh, uh, somewhere else. I, I I don't remember whether it was at a bookstore or through Goodreads or something. But I like I was kind of dimly aware of the book's existence and then uh she 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 posted something that i thought was amusing or insightful or whatever and it it led me down the rabbit hole and uh straight to purchasing the book 
Final thing I'm going to recommend to folks is, um, I don't know if you've heard this, if you've seen this um, Saturday Night, the, the Saturday Night Live podcast that uh, Dana Carvey and David Spade are doing? No. It is fantastic. Basically, they are um, having people on from Saturday Night Live or people that have hosted Saturday Night Live to kind of like, you know, relate their experiences on the show. And the first one that I listened to, I've listened to three episodes so far, I think they have a total of five or six, um, was Tom Hanks. and. Oh. It is an hour and 10 minutes with Tom Hanks that is just so beautifully Tom Hanks. He tells <laughs> so many wonderful stories, including a classic story that I'm not going to ruin um, involving him and Rob Reiner uh, that's All related right. to Sleepless in Seattle. It's fantastic. So um, It sounds delightful. It is delightful. Like If you love Tom Hanks, like this will just make you want to uncomfortably hug him even more. <laughs> So he probably should be beefing up his security just that much more on the heels <laughs> of people like me uh, hearing that podcast. But yeah, it's absolutely great. Um, I listened to, I think most, I, I haven't finished the one with Conan O'Brien, but they had Conan on. That was good. And um, I just started listening to, who was the one I just started listening to? Anyway, um, it's really cool. Folks will enjoy it. Um Oh, Chris Rock. I listened to the one with Chris Rock. That was, I think, the first episode they put up. And then I'm uh, forgetting who the one is that they uh, put out this week. But uh, So I've listened to four of them so far. And I think that, in a sense, as we know, like, you know, Mark Maron is um, – Mark Maron wanted to be on Saturday Night Live. It didn't work out for him. Um, so – one of the arcs to his podcast has been having SNL folks on. So when I first saw this podcast from uh, Dana and David, my first thought was this ground's been pretty well covered. Um, mm. And I'm happy to say that like having listened to a number of episodes now, you know, from this thing, um, they really do approach it in kind of a cool way. So I think that if you are a fan of SNL, um, I think that there's a lot to love about this podcast. I'm sold. What's the name of the show? The name of the show, how nice you to ask that, is called Dana Carvey and David Spade Fly on the Wall. And um, right. Daryl Hammond is their latest guest, in fact. And, and that's a great one of him and Dana going back and forth just on the process of doing impressions. So, All right. I'm subscribing right now as we speak. Yeah. So... Podcast-wise, kind of cool. Um, We have two episodes coming up for this week. Um, Our buddy Steve Poltz joining us for an epic discussion about the 1981 album Pirates by Ricky Lee Jones. Um, The arrival of that episode coinciding with the release of Steve's latest record, Stardust and Satellites, which is being released next Friday, the 18th. You can find details at stevepoltz.bandcamp.com or poltz.com. Also coinciding with him meeting Ricky also coinciding with Ricky Lee Jones subsequently announcing tour dates. So I feel like we mm. have, have greatly affected the universe all yes. by inviting Steve Poltz to talk about Ricky Lee Jones. We put so much great creative energy out into the world just by having Steve on the show. Now the good news is Ricky Lee Jones is not coming anywhere near me. I don't think she's coming anywhere <laughs> near you. So <laughs> I will not have the chance to go and see Ricky Lee Jones. So I appreciate her putting the tour dates up. And at the same time, I think it's rude that she could not be bothered <laughs> to include Cleveland or Keene, New Hampshire on her tour schedule. Rude. Yeah, I guess we can't win them all. Maybe uh, Steve, now that he's met her, maybe Steve will get her on the show. 
Yes, that's a good point. He probably has her phone number. They probably text. Yeah. Yeah, this seems possible. And he owes us one for having him on here as a guest. (laughs) Yes. That's our new podcast. (laughs) Steve Poltz owes us. I think this was the fourth or fifth time that I've talked to Steve. Second time with you. The man needs to write a book. He has so many war stories. And I think he set a new record for this podcast for the most drug-related stories that have ever been told in one episode of the podcast. So It's pretty epic. StevePoltz.BandCamp.com. Uh, you can give Steve all of your money or at the very least pay all, pay what you want in line with the Bandcamp way that we love. So, um, the other thing, special bonus episodes can be released this coming week. Uh, Michael Elliott joining us to look back at the Little Village album released by John Hyatt, Ry Cooter, Nick Lowe, and Jim Keltner 30 years later. And Michael actually reached out to us and asked us if we wanted to talk about the album as it turns 30 this coming week. Um, he spoke with all four members of Little Village as he was working on his new book, have a Little Faith, the John Hyatt story, which you can find wherever you buy books, and also at michael-elliot.com. That's two L's and two T's. And um, it was a lot of fun discussing that record with Michael. I have not spent as much time with that record as I know you have, but um, it was really fun kind of going back and you know knowing your perspective on the record and knowing how it kind of landed with the overall public it was kind of it was a lot of fun to revisit that record 30 years on and and you know really hear it without any bias just because I didn't I didn't listen to it a ton back in the day like I've I've had some live shows you know that have been in my collection for a number of years that was really a lot of my experience with Little Village was just the live stuff that I'd heard from the tour that I've spent about 30 years wishing I had gone to see right there have been a couple of times doing this show that I've had the opportunity to talk about uh, kind of off the radar records that were personal favorites of mine, but most people haven't ever heard or mm-hmm. were not even aware of. And and this the 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 Michael Elliott episode is one of those. You know, I, I never thought that I would have the opportunity to have a podcast length discussion of the Little Village album. Yeah, here we are. Or spoiler alert, why not? Like, you know, Peter Cetera. Like, we did an album length, episode length uh, (laughs) discussion on Peter Cetera. So, here in 2022, like, you know, we've made dreams come true for both, you know, (laughs) our fandom of Little Village and Peter Cetera. I think we can just, like, end after the next few weeks, you know? Well, Peter Cetera was a long time coming. I think every single episode of the AOR podcast included some mention of Peter Cetera. So, it was... It was only a matter of time before we actually talked about his music. I want to apologize uh, to people in advance because, uh, as I discussed with you earlier in the week, I'm looking to find a way to mention Spies Like Us by Paul McCartney. <laughs> well, you in, just did it. In each of our upcoming episodes, but I want to do it with a guest. Like, you know, so I'm going to find my it's, – it's not part of the next few episodes that we've done, uh, but it was part of our discussion with Bill Lloyd this week, which is our current episode. Um, so yes. just know, dear listeners, that I intend to get justice for spies like us one episode at a time. <laughs> and that's that is something else that I that we should mention is that um, Bill Lloyd has joined the uh, grouping of guests that have been on that have then dropped amazing things um, that we didn't completely talk about during the episode. Um, yeah. There is a really cool um, tribute uh, record to Rusty Young of Poco that's being uh, released by Blue Elon Records that I'll put a link in the show notes. Um, 
the pre-orders are up now. I think it comes out early March. Um, but it has the 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 band that Bill is now part of that is just starting up uh, that he mentioned that that we discussed uh, during the podcast. Cimarron six one five or Cimarron six fifteen. Um, they have four songs on this Rusty Young tribute, um, including um, you know fellow. Uh, uh, children who uh, came of age during the 80s uh, that had the legacy <laughs> record, or at the very least, the cassette single of Call It Love by Poco. Mm-hmm. Um, they've turned in a pretty interesting version of uh, Call It Love. Um, the song that they did uh, that really stuck out is a tune called Old Hat um, that I really, really like their version of that. They do a really rocking great take on rough edges, which is the first piece of audio that's out there officially from this tribute record. Um, one tear which at Bill, a time. Which Bill co-wrote with, uh, yeah. with Radney Foster. Yeah. Um, so full circle. Full circle indeed. Yeah. Um, one tear at a time by Roan Yellowthorn. That was really, I really enjoyed that. While We're Still Young by Mary Scholes and Taylor John Williams. Sam Morrow's version of Gonna Let the Rain just absolutely knocked me on my ass. So all of this is to say that, um, like I said, we'll have a link to this in the show notes, but folks need to go and uh, check that tribute out. If you're a fan of, uh, if you're a Poco fan, and even if, you're, if you've always been, let's say this, if, you, if, you, if you've always been Poco curious, <laughs> this is kind of a good little sampler platter for you to kind of dip your feet in and get a little bit of a sense what they're all about. The one thing I will say, Rusty's voice was so distinctive. Yeah. And so pleasing. And so, uh, I don't know. I can't, there aren't enough compliments that I can bestow upon Rusty Young's voice. Um, so to listen to this, you know, like you said, a lot of the, the, the tracks, a lot of the versions on this album are great. Uh, I still miss hearing his voice though. You know, I like, I hear a cover of Call It Love and I just, I, I hear him in the back of my mind and wish we would be hearing more from him. Yeah. And that's what I think I enjoyed uh, on the heels of our discussion with Bill Lloyd. I, that's what I enjoyed so much about listening to those Sky Kings records uh, was, you know, just the chance to get a couple albums more of his voice. You're right. He had a, Rusty had a very distinctive voice. He put out a, you know, one of the last things he did uh, in the years leading up to when he passed away, unfortunately, was he put out a solo record on, on Blue Elon. And uh, he, man, he was just an underrated talent, underrated, underrated singer, I would say. Yeah. He should have had more commercial success than he did. That's just it. That's the good way to sum it up. All right. Well, we should, uh, we should get out of here. Um, I do want to make mention that, uh, if you have uh, not checked out our Patreon page yet, uh, lots of stuff going up there. Uh, I have come up with the clever tag of du- dubbing it as the Record Club. So join the Record yeah. Club. You know, that whole, you know, get uh, 12 CDs for a penny. You know, it's kind of <laughs> it's some twisted version of that concept. But um, I am going to put some of the Little Village audio that we discussed during the podcast with Michael. going to put that on the Patreon page. Um, so Fantastic. check that out at patreon.com forward slash the record player. And... Beyond all that, I think we've given folks plenty to listen to here for the next week or so between this and two episodes of the podcast. Um, Recordplayerpodcast.com is where you can find all the episodes. Record Player Pod on Twitter. I think that's about all there is to say, man. Yeah. Happy Friday, everybody. Enjoy your weekend. And um, we'll be back next week with more.